so many different ways that the Pac-12 football season could play out this year. And with a big matchup looming tomorrow with UCLA and Oregon, it'll shift that picture. But how much and who might get to the championship game by the end? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. We just hit 1,200 subs on the YouTube channel and many more on the podcast, so thank you all for being a part of the show, which is brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked on and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. We'll be talking a little bit of gambling later in the show and how I need to get back on a heater. Hopefully my man JT Wistersill, the host of Locked On at Utes, can bring me that good fortune because it's been tough times for the Pac-12 prime picks of late. But JT, Utah's still squarely in the middle of this Pac-12 championship picture. Let's dive just right into it. I have never in my life, at least that I can remember, seen a, a situation like this where there's so many different ways it could play out and you've got high level teams and you've got big brands in the conference going for the conference championship. This is going to be a really, really fun final six weeks of the season. It really is. Like you mentioned, four teams in the top 15 currently, and they're all really good and all have a chance to win the conference as well. And the thing you hope is that those teams are able to take care of business against those inferior opponents, which hasn't happened in the past. We've seen those teams kind of get upset and then they get themselves taken out of the race. But at the moment, all four of those teams you mentioned, when you talk about Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Utah as well, look like they could absolutely win the conference. Each one of them has more strengths, in my opinion, than weaknesses as well. Anyone can beat anyone, and I think it's going to make for a really fun finish to this season. And you've got a huge game tomorrow in, in UCLA in Oregon. And I was actually doing some some talk radio in, in your neck of the woods on uh, on KSL with uh, with Scott and Alex. And I was uh, not that the people watching or listening know who that is specifically, but I met them earlier today. They seem like really cool dudes. And we were talking uh, about these situations. and They want to know what I thought about this, that and the other thing. And here's where I came down on it. I still think Utah is getting to the Pac-12 championship game. Now, the Utes, as we'll talk about in just a moment, still need some help to do that. But I think you're going to have Utah and whoever wins tomorrow between UCLA and Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. How do you see this playing out? What two teams are going to be in Las Vegas in December? Look, maybe I'm biased because I was there on Saturday, but I just feel like it's going to end up Utah and USC. I still feel like those are the two best teams in this conference by the end of the season. Right now, UCLA obviously deserves to be a ranked ahead of Utah, but I think something's going to happen with UCLA. I think it's very tough to go in and win in Eugene. We'll see if they can do it. I'm excited to see if they are able to because that would be a monumental program win for sure. But looking at this Trojans team, I feel like they're going to come out fired up, and I do think they're going to be able to beat UCLA head-to-head later in the season. I obviously see Utah win it out it's why i have everything i got in the background up 
I basically have to say that. <laughs> but I do feel like that those two teams will be there. And I feel like when it's all said and done, they're going to be the two best teams in the conference. But hey, as we just talked about, any of these teams can do it. But I really like the way the schedule plays out for the Utes. It's going to be a very tough game going up to Oregon later in November. But I think by then they could have an opportunity to be playing some of their best football as they have three opponents coming up that they should beat before that game. Some that could have a chance to upset them, but should still win there as well. And I think we're going to see a fired up Trojans team now that has gotten that loss out of the way. So there's no more ride and high for them. And I think they'll be able to go in and do it. So I got the Utes and the Trojans in the Pac-12 championship. That'd be a heck of a matchup. I think if you're George Klyovkov, you'd probably rather have Utah and Oregon because oh, yeah. as of now, those are the only two yeah. that are for sure going to be in the Pac-10. And even we don't know, right? But I mean, UCLA and USC, you know, people just have a little bit of chatter with regards to, well, you know, they're not even and yada, yada, yada and such. But I think from an intrigue standpoint, USC, Utah is the most interesting because of how that game ended, how thrilling and amazing it was. USC fans, of course, felt slighted by by the Pac-12 officials in that game. That's just the way that, that it goes. Like in close games, officials make bad calls. It's not the first time. It won't be the last. It could happen in the Pac-12 championship game. as well, if you want it's to the, it as Yeah, well. it's, it's the Pac-12. It's yeah. going to happen both yeah. ways. It's part of it. That's just the way you have these bounce of ball games I've talked about here on the show before, where some days it's going to go your way, some days it's not. Against Oregon State, it went USC's way. And against Utah, it did not. I think it's as simple as that. And you'd probably expect that if you have two road games in tough environments against good football teams, and Oregon State, make no mistake, is a good football team, yeah. you're probably... If it's coming down to a final possession, mathematically, you're not going to win every single one of those games. So I think that has to give USC some confidence as well, because what they would be thinking is, well, if we can go into Salt Lake City and be that close, a two point conversion stop away from getting a win, then certainly we could take them in a neutral site. But the storylines in that game would just be abundant. Lincoln Riley, year one, playing for a conference championship. USC back in the conference championship game championship game for the first time since what would be 2018. I think that'd be that'd be really fascinating to get to that point, JT. Utah would have to win out that give Oregon a loss. And then UCLA would probably have to lose to Oregon on Saturday and then again to USC to give them their second conference loss. And then UCLA would have to pick up another one in there. That can be tough to find, but you never know, right? Utah and USC both, they don't control their own destinies right now. Oregon and UCLA do going into this game, but Utah and USC both need a little help. Where do you think, if you're looking at losses from either UCLA or Oregon, aside from the game tomorrow afternoon on Fox, where do you think the Utes and the Trojans could pick up some help from around the conference? Where do you see an upset coming from, potentially? I think the biggest place, as I mentioned, is I don't even think it'd be considered an upset when you're looking at it from the standpoint of UCLA. I do said mentioned UCLA lose to Oregon. We talked about that, but I do think they lose to USC. So I think then you have those two losses in conference play, and I think that's what helps Utah in that scenario. And look, maybe they'll strip up a trip up against an inferior opponent. I mean. They, have, they did keep it close with South, South Alabama, kept it close to them early on as well. So maybe one of these teams is going to be able to get in there and be able to force one of those losses that really helps them out. But we'll wait and see as well. I think with, as it pertains to Oregon, I think Oregon's the interesting one, as you mentioned, because that's where Utah might need a little bit of help. And I'm more so looking solely at the Oregon game as well. So that's where I'm curious to see if the Ducks will end up tripping up, falling against another team like that. Maybe they're the ones who lose on Saturday as well. But you just going back to your point you talked about for the conference as well and all the intriguing storylines 
storylines that this matchup has too. I think for the Pac-12, it's best if it's Utah and Oregon, right? I think nationally, this game will do fantastic if it's USC versus either Utah or Oregon because it's the best team that's staying in the Pac-12 versus the best team, at least what it's perceived to be nationally, which look, maybe UCLA is still that by the end of the season, but there's more national intriguing, more eyeballs are going to be on Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, and the Trojans just because historically they're more of a program. It's why games like Notre Dame and Stanford continue to draw on fans because historically what those programs mean even though they're not as good as programs. And obviously the gap between what USC and UCLA are this season is extremely close. So I would personally think it'd be a lot of fun to see one of those teams that's leaving the Pac-12 versus the top team that's at the moment remaining in the conference. But even going back to your original point, it's going to be interesting to see where those losses come in because you were someone who brought up to me a while ago as well. No team has gone undefeated in conference play in the Pac-12 since Utah and Colorado joined it. So even though it looks like on paper and we're like, where's the losses to those inferior opponents? There's going to be a couple that pop up just because this is college football and it's Pac-12 football. You made me think of a great sports comparison with that best of the lever versus best of the loyalist. I'll tell you what that is after I remind you this episode brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football this season. Their easy to play format makes it just as you thought easy to play and it's available in over 30 states just pick between two and five players across any team whoever your team is in our beloved conference of champions whether you're leaving the league in a couple of years or not and decide if those players will finish over or under the total you can bet over and under caleb williams bo nix dorian thompson robinson anybody else in the conference passing yards you can go receiving yards rushing yards everything it's one of the easiest fantasy to play games out there you can win cold hard cash in a single game sign up with the promo code locked on one word and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars deposit a hundred dollars get a hundred dollars free go to underdogfantasy.com or find the underdog fantasy app in the app store or google play store that's underdog fantasy promo code locked on one word to get in on the college football pick em action today so jt that that lever versus loyalist matchup is it's got spice. It's got juice. I am not going to argue with you on that. It reminds me of an idea a friend of mine suggested to me a while back. At the end of the year, whoever the individual PGA Tour champion is should go up in a 1v1 battle against the live golf <laughs> tour champion. And I tell you what, I, have, I am a huge golf guy, as many people listening to this show know. I'm very anti-live as a golf fan first and other reasons coming behind it won't go into that. But the idea of PGA, even if you made it like a team competition, right? PGA tour over here, live over here and you battle it out. It's got spice. It's got juice. So when you said that it clicked in my brain of, yeah, okay, that does have a lot of interest and it'd be quite a statement, right? For then the remaining pack 10, if the team that, you know, does ultimately potentially end up staying in Oregon or Utah beats USC or UCLA, that would be a feather in the cap for George Klyovkov to where he could say, look, these teams are leaving, but our champion is mm -hmm. remaining and the best team we've got is remaining. That's certainly, I have to imagine what the commissioner is rooting for. 100%. And I can already see just Kevin Warren and all the Big Ten schools. If USC or UCLA lost, just being like, oh, it's such a disappointment. <laughs> just being so dejected about it. it would be so much fun. And yeah, that's what that's so much fun. Here, here's, how, here's how that would go. Sorry to cut you off, but it would be, oh, man, wish they'd won. 
Ah, well, come on over and make us a bunch of money anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thing driving everything right now. But no, it would be so much fun to watch that play out because storylines are what drive games. You mentioned, look, a lot of people have refused to watch the live golf stuff. But at the end of the day, even they would tell themselves they might not watch. If that game's on, they're going to watch because they're going to want to cheer on the PGA loyalists in that one, the guys who stayed with their conference. Or even if some people were like enough where I hate the live so much, I'm not even going to watch watch this they're still checking twitter constantly to see what's going yep, on they still want to know exactly so there'd still be eyeballs on it so i do think it'd be really good to have a chance to be one of the highest viewed pac-12 championship games i really think we've seen in a while because of those narratives as well and what's cool is we talked about there's four great potentially great teams in this conference and they're both on two sides of that coin at least at the moment as we mentioned we don't know with realignment but utah and oregon at the moment staying in usc and ucla heading out so we could very well get a scenario that plays out like that i think the worst case scenario for the pac-12 is if it is usc and ucla which i would be surprised if it ended up at that just because of some of the matchups we have remaining but I, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But for my money, I really hope we get that kind of matchup that we've been talking about between a team that, as you mentioned, a loyalist and, and a team that's heading out. A loyalist and a lever. That'd be the lever, alliteration yes. to, to, to frame it as. But yeah, USC, UCLA, that'd be nightmare for the Pac-12. Mm -hmm. Like here are our best teams. Here's our most competitive regular season. Most intrigue we've had in the conference in quite a few years. You got four teams in the top 15 and you have a couple more knocking on the door of the top 25 in Oregon State and Washington, one of whom will probably be ranked after their game plays out in, in a couple weeks. And and then you go through all that and you feel those positive vibes trying to carry that. And then you had the two L.A. schools in the championship game. That would be that'd be a, a, a nightmare. It is possible, by the way, it is possible to get that if UCLA beats Oregon and then USC beats UCLA and that's the Bruins only loss. And then the Trojans went out and then say Oregon beats Utah to give them a second loss. And then Oregon drops a game to like a Washington or an Oregon State or maybe they get upset by Cal or somebody. I always feel like Cal is poised for one big upset a year True. and no more. I don't know who that's going to be, but we'll just have to follow the matchups on a week to week basis, as we always do here on the show. But that's how it could play out. It is totally realistic. You could have any two of those four teams meeting there. And boy, it's going to be a lot of fun. So JT's got USC and Utah. I've got Utah and the winner of tomorrow's game between UCLA and Oregon. I want to ask you about the Utes. Yeah, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. All I was going to say really quick, I just wanted to throw in there, how crazy is the timing of this? Thinking about how bad USC and UCLA have been over the past couple of years, that the years they finally come together as a program and are in this position where they are in the top 15, which it feels like they haven't been in there this late in the season in a very long time, is the year right when all this news come out that they're about to lead the conference. So it's just another thing that just makes the timing of all this absolutely insane. It's pretty bad timing for George Klyovkov. It's, yes. it's uh, inopportune, right? Jack Sparrow... In the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, The Best of the Five, of course, Curse of the Black Pearl, talks to Will about the opportune moment, right? <laughs> this would be the inopportune moment for, <laughs> for these things to all be taking place. It's basically what those those Pac-12 refs experienced at the Utah-USC game, having one of the worst officiate games of their lives with their boss in attendance in Klyovkov. <laughs> yeah, no, that could, not have, uh, that could not have gone over well, but I'm sure... Klyovkov felt what the rest of us feel like. This is the best we got. Oh, well, it's the best we guess <laughs> is the best we got. I want to ask you about Utah, JT, because they got a big emotional win. They keep their season alive. They avoid falling to four and three. They've got a bunch of momentum. They win on an emotional night there in Rice Eccles 
Coliseum where they're playing with, with those honorary helmets for for Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. Like a lot of emotion went into that victory and they played hard and they fought it out and they trailed and they came back. How does Utah feel now going into the bye week after a game that just has to be, while satisfying, also emotionally draining? And that's why I think the bye week comes at a perfect time for this team, especially since their next game is versus Washington State, which is next Thursday. If you played that game on a Saturday and then oh, it's Thursday. Back, oh, no. Yeah. It is no it upset is special. You're, you're good. Yeah, that's what I mean. So that's where it's nice that you have the bye week in there and it's still on. Yeah. A lot of people are still looking at that as an upset. So which I completely understand, but I think it's so nice for this Utah team that they had this much time to come down because if you were going from a Saturday to a Thursday in a normal week, I really think that would have, I mean, honest, I wouldn't have picked a loss for Utah, but I would have been very tempted to I'll say that. So very nice for this Utah team to calm down and reset. And just what an emotional game, as you mentioned, just being on the field. It was as loud as I've heard Rice Eccles outside of when Britton Covey returned turned to punt last year against Oregon. Not trying to do that to your Ducks, just genuinely one of the loudest moments I've heard the stadium as well. So in this game, though, I think you really saw that this what this the identity of this team has to be. It has to be Cam rising the season. The offensive line is struggling to come together, especially that right side of the offensive line. Paul Miley at center a little bit as well. So running game has been an issue. Also, a couple things going on with Tavion Thomas. Kyle Whittingham was asked to comment on Tavion's status, and he said no comment. So we really don't know what's going on with Tavion right now as well. It's just a situation we have to watch play out. He's dealing with some on-the-field stuff, but Utah's running game is not going to be the driving force this season. It's going to be Cam rising. And Cam, yes, Cam was the face of this team last year, but Tavion was the one with the production who set the single season touchdown record. Now Cam's the one who's going out there and throwing for 400 yards, scoring five touchdowns. He's the one who has the big time moment where he gets the two point conversion and the fourth down he ran that one in as well to help Utah get there. So this Utah team knows what it is now. They talked about early on wanting to be more explosive. Now they just have to be more explosive to be in order to win games as well. And you have a good secondary. You really still got to figure things out in your front seven to struggle with tackling issues all year and especially getting after the quarterback. Caleb Williams had enough time to order breakfast, lunch and dinner in the pocket basically before he took off and ran every single time so it's something this utah team has to work on but that's what's nice about a bye week is he got that time to get better and because of what's going on with this utah team the confidence level that cam rising is playing at the weapons emerging on the outside dalton kincaid anyone nearly a record-breaking day ended up finishing just short of that one reception but got to be feeling good about this utah team right now and once again so lucky to have a bye between it rather than a quick thursday turnaround game i completely agree with you about the bye because when you have that much that goes into a game and you pour your heart and soul out playing with something in the back of your mind like that, exactly the emotion. Yeah. The quick turnaround can weigh on you. It just, it just is. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't play for those guys. Of course you always should, but that was right. A, a different level, even than what they've done on, on their, on their weekly home games. So I'm with you that that's a pretty cru- crucial time for, for the buy. And, and on the USC front, I don't think the buy comes for them at a bad time either because you can flush that game and realize our goals are still achievable. They're ahead of us and you have time to kind of clear your heads, reset, get away from it. Let the frustration uh, of losing a game like that, right? As thrilling as it is for Utah to win, it's just as demoralizing for USC to lose. So I, I think that both teams getting a chance to just kind of reset and refocus. That's, that's a very, very good thing. There's something else that was impressive about Utah before we get to the Pac-12 prime picks. The Utes last year dominated JT with physicality, right? And this team, it's safe to say, the front seven defensively, they're not as good as last year. They are not as effective. You can run on them a little, but most importantly, they they can't get after the passer. They can't 
they can't rush, right? They're not going to create pressure unless they blitz guys from the second level, which creates holes in your coverage and whatnot. And it's it's certainly different for Coach Scali and the rest of that Utah defense and Kyle Whittingham, who's a, a defensive a defensively minded coach and whatnot. I know he wants to be able to get pressure with four, but even if they make improvements, it's not going to be a strength of this team this year. No, 100%. And so coming into the year, if you told me that, that Utah's offensive line is going to be a little hit or miss, still solid, but not quite as dominant as you would think. And that the defense is not going to be as physical. I'd say, well, then maybe that's only an eight or nine win team. Cause that was their calling card, their MO. What they showed in that game, JT, that was so important is that they can win more than one way. They don't have to just come out, run the football, right? Teams that are run first, typically you get them down and they stay down because they're not accustomed to having to come back and throw the football a bunch. But this Utah team was able to do that. They protected the football aside from a fumble in the red zone. And that I think is the key to beating the USC defense. Turn it over one or fewer times. That's what they've been relying on to get stops a number of times this year. Utah did that. They move the football. They want a shootout, right? And that's not, that hasn't been Utah's MO since Cam Rising took over and they ascended to the upper echelon of teams in college football. They haven't been able to do that because they haven't needed to, but they showed that they're capable of it. And to me, that adds another level to my confidence and why Utah get back to the Pac-12 championship game is I can still see them winning a low, low scoring, grinded out slugfest, but I just watched them win a shootout against a team that is built to win a shootout more than anybody else in the league, except for maybe UCLA. Well, first of all, you got me fired up just right now talking about that. So I, I love <laughs> listening to that. Um, second thing I'll mention, you mentioned the front seven struggles. I, you know, that meme of Wolverine just staring at the photo missing um, something that's Utah fans with Devin Lloyd and even make it to I'll throw in as well, because as you mentioned, that pass rush, nowhere to be seen, but just talk about winning in different ways. If you would have told me that Brant Keithy would miss the USC game going into the season, the Trojans were coming in as the seventh ranked team and Tavion Thomas would not rush for over 30 yards. I would have thought there's no way Utah would win this game. And it also right. started out that way as well, but they're able to do it because of the day by Dalton Kincaid, the day by Cam Rising as well. So I just love that you talked about the multitude of ways to win as well. And because it is Kyle Whittingham and just this offense, I know how committed they are to the run game. And I think against some in inferior front sevens, they're going to be able to get it going as you talked about. Maybe there's going to be a game where Cam does throw multiple interceptions that are really detrimental. Cam's had a couple interceptions on the season, but they haven't felt detrimental outside of obviously the Florida one that the definition of detrimental right. but outside of that. I feel like this team will be able to overcome some of those things because they can win in those different ways. So I love that you highlighted that. And it's so great to see this offense come to light. The bomb to bunny parks being an example for 40, I believe it's 50, 49 yards either way to get them to the one yard line. That was something we hadn't seen from this team in the past. Even last year, that element wasn't there. Devon, there was no receiver like Devon Vele on this team last year who was stepping up, making plays on those critical downs. Vele only had, I believe 68 yards, but every single one of them was a first down in a critical moment where this Utah team needed to have it so it's so much fun and so encouraging to see this offense be able to come to life evolve and change in new ways and Andy Ludwig has to get credit for that as well running a little Philly special out there you got Cam Rising catching passes too it's fun right now to watch this Utah offense go to work and it's something I hope they can continue and add some new wrinkles to it during the bye week as well yeah it was an impressive performance just an awesome football game a great scene a great crowd it was just 
that that's as good as it gets in the Pac-12, and that's as good as it gets basically in college football, unless you're at Old Rocky Top on, on Saturday. Oh and gosh. oh my <laughs> gosh, what a scene! Hey, really that, quick, the, the Utah the, the one of the loudest the game got genuinely was when they threw up that the, the end of the Alabama game on the jumbotron, and the entire stadium went nuts as soon as the kick went through. Absolutely incredible! Everyone loves to just see Alabama lose. It's amazing. Ev- ev- everybody does. It's a common it's a commonality shared across every fan base, every conference. Every team doesn't matter when Bama loses. Everybody just goes nice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> good, good job. So we got to get into the Pac-12 prime picks here, JT. And I have that sulky tone because I've been struggling here big time off of an 0-3 week, three losing weeks in a row. I'm trying to get back up on the bike. I'm three games under 500 right now, trying to get in the mid 50s. Still got time to salvage it, but I got to hit some victories here. And let's start. These lines, of course, brought to you by Bet Online, which has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, first team that I am taking, and it is, they're tough. There's only four games to choose from this week. I go three picks per week. I'm going to start with the one that I feel best about, and it's the only double digit line of the weekend. And when I was putting together this show, Lines can fluctuate and such, but Oregon State, just a shade under 24 points, 23 and a half. I really believe, JT, I don't think this is going to be an easy cover for the Beavs, but my final score prediction here is 28 to 3. That Oregon State defense has been playing like the best in the Pac-12 all around. And unlike USC, they're not reliant on, on turnovers in order to make stops. Against Power 5 opponents this year, They're allowing 360 yards a game. Fewest in the Pac-12. The secondary is nasty. The front seven does just enough, but it is a no-fly zone on the back end. Colorado coming off of their first win of the year. Now they have to go on the road. Their offense has been anemic for the most part. They just scored 13 points against an okay Cal defense at home. I don't think they're going to get to 10. Maybe they'll get to seven. Maybe they'll have a few field goals and have nine, but... I really think the final score here could be something ugly, like 28 to three. The Beavs have their bye coming next week. They want to carry momentum going into that. I think that's the final score here. No Matt Ryan blown leads in the Super Bowl. I'm sorry to any Atlanta Falcons fans out there, but I think the final score is going to be in that range. Oregon State minus 23 and a half. On the surface, you might stay away from the only double digit line of the week, but I'm I'm going with the Beavs here. I'm going with them as well for the reasons you just highlighted. And I'll even throw in this. How we talked about earlier, how good Oregon State is at home. At home, yes, beat USC point. was an offensive line push away from being able to do so. Then they go on the road with Utah. Don't look as strong, but even in that, you just talked. You talked about their defense. I'll even talk about their offense. They worked it into the red zone every single time, almost every single drive. They just couldn't convert in the red zone. But since then, they've gotten stronger. Obviously, gotten better as well. Nolan also, even though he threw a bunch of interceptions early in that game. Clark Phillips obviously had a fantastic. He won't start. Game. He won't start again tomorrow. It'll be Gold Branson, it be, but it will be Gold Branson again. Okay. But again, that Colorado rush defense is terrible. Bees can line up, good offensive line, good running backs. They can run the ball down the Buffs' throats. Yeah, exactly. And that's what they did against Utah as well. They just gashed them on the ground too. And you mentioned it as well, just going into someone else's house, that defense playing at the level it's playing at, that rushing attack, that experience of an offensive line as well. Going to give Goldbranson all day to throw. I agree. I think the Beavs win this one big as well. Next one. Now, this is a fascinating game to look at from a betting perspective. Cal plus seven and a half at home 
against Washington. I went a little back and forth on this one. I went way back and forth on the next game that, that I've picked. I went back and forth on this because Washington is a much better team than Cal, but the Bears are coming off of a relatively embarrassing loss on the road. They are coming back home off of said loss, and Washington is clearly a much better team than the California Golden Bears. That, to me and everybody else, I think, is obvious. However, I think Vegas is trying to get you to take Cal here while giving some respect to Washington because Washington on the road against Arizona State was a 14.5-point favorite, and they lost outright. Washington on the road at UCLA, a three and a half point favorite. They lost outright. The Huskies have been a different team away from home this year. And I don't love Cal's offense. I'm not a big Jack Plummer fan. I'm a big Jaden Ott fan. But Washington's run defense has been solid. However, the pass defense is just, they're they're lost on the back end. They are struggling to stop anybody. And I think that allows Cal to score just enough points to cover. I'm, I'm Washington wins here, but I think this is a, 31-27, 31-24 kind of game for the California Golden Bears. I won't be shocked if it's an outright upset. I'll, I'll be a, a little surprised, but I definitely think Cal can cover it with that half-point hook. If it was 6.5, I'll go Huskies. Yeah. With 7.5, I'll go Bears here. Yeah, you mentioned the half point. That is that is the big swing here. Look, I I really like what I've seen my, out of Michael Pettix. I mean, look at that 20 touchdowns, four interception, already over 2,500 passing yards as well. But Jeez. you mentioned this Cal team. They, they just seem to find ways to muck up these games, make things interesting. We saw, we know they can – they're at home for this one, obviously. But still, being able to go on the road and play Notre Dame as tough as they did, that's still really tough to do across the country. Like That just proves speaks to the resilience of this team. And obviously, they're staying at home. They know the challenge that's coming in with this Washington team. So – I can definitely see it playing out that way as well. I feel a little stronger that the Washington is going to be able to cover and win by that more than seven and a half, but I, I could definitely see it this way too, just because of this Cal team and the way they seem to play and just get every, they play really seem to play up and down to the level of their competition, just muck up these games, as I mentioned, but man, I really enjoy watching Michael Penix play football too. So I'd be happy if he goes off as well. Yeah. He, he has slung it around really well this year. Certainly better than I thought he would coming into the season. Finally, I'm going to lean on you here, JT, because right. I, I keep going back and forth. I'm staying away from ASU, Stanford. Those two teams, it's just too unpredictable. I'd lean Stanford minus three at home, but I, I just, I, I don't know. And it's, it's all there. Eh, I kind of feel that way about UCLA and Oregon, though. Now, mm-hmm. I think Oregon wins this game at home, but that's six. That's a big number. That's, that's a big number for a good, well-rounded, mistake-free for the most part this season, UCLA team on the road. My initial instinct was Oregon minus six because I'm saying it's under a touchdown. And I could see this being a 35-28 game that features a lot of points. But I think I'm going to go back to the Bruins here unless you talk me out of it because the rain is expected to come down. And I think when you have ugly games and you can't throw the ball around as much, it's harder to pull away. I think that lends lends itself towards a tighter contested battle between two teams that are both good and are both playing good football and both coming off buys. Oregon, I'm not going to pick against them at home until Utah comes to town in in a, in a few weeks. But that's six points. I, I think UCLA has won me over with it. 
I could see it at the moment. I am. I think or I think Oregon's going to be able to get this one out, and I do think they're actually going to be able to cover. And the reason I think they will be able to is I, I just think that boost from the home crowd, the biggest game of Dan Lanning's career at home to this point. I feel like they're going to come out fired up, ready to go. Love the defense with Sewell the way they're playing right now as well. And I feel like they're just going to be able to rise up to the challenge of this game with the Bruins. And I will say, I think this is going to be high scoring, but I just feel like they're going to make one extra play at home with that energy that's going to sway things. This UCLA team can run the ball as well. So if it is inclement weather, as you talked about, this is a massive offensive line. I mean, I don't have their numbers of their left tackle next to me right now, but I saw the way he was just a man that big moving in space the way he did against Utah. I was like... That's the first round left tackle right there for me. So Zach Charbonnet as well, obviously a phenomenal back. I think Bo Nix has been playing well, but obviously so is DTR. The star power in this game is what makes it so much fun. You get college game day going down there. I'm really excited for it. I just like Oregon because they're at home, and I feel like when you, it's just so hard to stay undefeated in Pac-12 play. I feel like this is a real opportunity where UCLA could slip up here. So it's a very tough one to pick. Personally, I like Oregon. You know, you, we've talked before. You know, I like Bo Nix as well, and he's been playing well too. So I'm gonna stick with him at the moment. But man, DTR is having an incredible year, so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see UCLA go in there and get it. I see. I mean, I'm barely even made up about it, so I don't know how I would change your mind, but. <laughs> The home field factor is huge. UCLA's played five of their six games at home this year. This is the best team they've played on the road by far because it's only the second team, and the other one was Colorado, and we know Oregon is much, much better. They are used to not having fans. (laughs) That's true. Unfortunately for the Bruins, that's the case. I think you make interesting points. I think I'm going to stick. Yeah, we're sticking with the Bruins plus six. Oregon wins. UCLA covers your Pac-12 prime picks of the week. Hopefully we get back to our winning ways, but we're always winning when we get JT Wistersill, host of Locked On Utes. Great to have you back on the show as always, my friend. And six more weeks of regular season college football in the Pac-12. What a time to be alive. What a time indeed. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially just bringing this full circle. If we get that matchup between the loyalists as well as the leavers. Did I get it right? Yeah, the loyal yeah, the loyalist and the lever. That's Let's that's go. what that's what we're hoping for. No matter what it is, a loyalist yes. and a lever. That's what we're pulling for here on the show. And we're pulling for you to come back next week as well. Every day we're dropping Conte here locked on Pac 12. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Enjoy the football this weekend, everybody, and have a wonderful rest of your day.